Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antinomocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. In some cases, this means getting the government out. And in some cases, it means asserting the government more where it needs to be asserted and, and where its proper role has been pushed to the back burner. Subscribe to the Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know what you identify as, but I identify as Sarah Carter. So be sure to visit my website at www.sarahcarter.com for my latest reporting and stories. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to my email list so that we can stay in touch on everything, you guys. Today, I'm going to be joined by Executive Director of Mission Roll Call. His name is Cole Lyle. Um, we are going to be discussing a very heavy subject, but it's an important one and one that you have to really pay attention to, because I don't think we're getting all the facts, not out of our Veterans Administration and certainly not out of the media. We're going to be talking about suicide epidemic among our military veterans and how we can support those who have given so much for our country. We have to keep the focus there. You know, we are looking at a very tumultuous time. Our recruitment levels are way down in the military. We've seen suicide rates. Um, and, and according to the work that's being done by Mission Roll Call. It's much higher than what it's being reported right now. And we're going to discuss all of the problems that the military is having from, from the moment, the moment that we ended the war in Afghanistan, the horrible way the Biden administration ended that, and how that puts our nation at risk. This is going to be a very powerful episode. So please don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Has everyone um, followed and subscribed and gotten all the links yet? If you haven't, you need to go to sarahcarter.com because that's where you can get everything. You get my links to truth, guys. Uh, by the way, I'm going to talk about that in my mono. I was at the most amazing party last week. I know I talked about it already, but it was incredible. Um, it was at John Rich's house. Um, for those of you who haven't heard his song, Progress, Get out there and listen to it. Number one on the charts, um, even beat Beyonce, right? That's crazy. I mean, it was just great. And it was because of Truth Social. So you get, go to Truth Social, there's Sarah Carter Official. Follow me on Truth Social at Sarah Carter Official. You can follow me on Instagram at S Carter, S Carter DC. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC at Sarah Carter DC. And uh, you'll get all those links at sarahcarter.com. Guys, before I get to Cole Lyle, before I talk to you about 
the horrors of what could possibly happen right now uh, between Russia and Ukraine. I want to tell you about an organization, and you know who I'm going to talk about. I know you know this. It's going to be AMAC, an organization that literally uh, backs our podcast, is a sponsor of this podcast, and not only that, backs every single American. It fights for you. It fights for what you believe in. This is AMAC, the um, Association of Mature American Citizens. And by joining AMAC, you are literally taking the first steps to saving the America that you love. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit that AARP offers. But guess what? No liberal agenda. I stand with AMAC, and I hope that you will too. I encourage you to join today at AMAC. Dot us slash Carter. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Carter. The benefits of membership are great, but guess what? The cause is even greater. Join today at amac.us slash Carter. I know there's a big debate out there among all of you, right? I see, I hear the stories like, what is going on? Why is, what's going on in Ukraine? What is happening in Europe? Will Russia literally use a weapon of mass destruction, a targeted nuclear weapon against Ukraine. Is Vladimir Putin that desperate? Uh, What is happening in Brussels? What is happening with the European Union? And I know there's a big debate among you and how you feel about that, right? How you feel about that. Uh, A lot of people, I'm seeing a lot of concern uh, about the fact that the Biden administration appears to be pushing in the direction of maybe more and more strong arming Russia and uh, because of what Russia did. And I know some of you are, are saying hands off. You're, you're even angry with Ukraine. Just who cares what happens? Let Russia do what it needs to do. That's not where I stand. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I truly believe you know, we're, we're, when we're looking at it, when we're taking a step back, I, I understand that Russia is afraid, uh, you know, was afraid and, and still concerned that Ukraine may be a part of NATO. Um, we see what's happened in Poland, but Russia is the aggressor here. Russia was the aggressor under Obama. We saw that in Georgia. And we see Russia as the aggressor. We saw it with Crimea. And we see Russia as the aggressor here with Ukraine. And that is deeply concerning to me. And you can't allow people to be the aggressors. Now, do I agree with what the Biden administration is doing? Absolutely not. I, I, I fear this administration. It is probably the worst administration in U.S. history. They're a failure on foreign policy level. They are a failure on a national level in the United States. They're just a failure all the way around. I mean, there's such a failure that the joke about Jimmy Carter being uh, is being so overused that now everybody's like just dead set. Yeah, Biden is the worst president in the history of the United States. The worst president. And half the time he doesn't even make any sense. I don't even think he knows what's going on. I, I, I feel that our nation is really being run by unelected officials. You know, unelected officials are running our country. Susan Rice, others that were working for President Obama in the past. They're running our country. But that still doesn't excuse what's happening right now, right? We are in a very dangerous time. 
You know, I remember when I was in Afghanistan or before going, I would try to go in the spring and in the fall, always during the fighting season, you know, and I would hear this, you know, mission creep, this, you know, phrase, mission creep, mission creep. And right now what we're seeing in the Russia-Ukraine war is this mission creep. Our government's dragging us into this. The world is dragging everyone into this. I mean, this is a global world where we are all connected. We, we can't even sit back even if we wanted to. Even if we wanted to. I blame President Biden. You know why? For a lot of this, because of his policies and this administration's policies, it emboldened our adversaries. It emboldened the Russians. It's emboldened the Chinese. It's emboldened the Iranians. It's emboldened the terrorist organizations. They see our weakness. They see our weakness and they took advantage of our weakness, especially the way we withdrew from Afghanistan. And what we did there was literally unspeakable. After 20 years of a horrific war where our men and women were constantly serving, being rotated in and out, in and out, in and out, where ISAF was constantly changing the game and what it meant to be there, where our soldiers, our troops had no idea what the mission was at certain times. Like, are we building schools? Are we taking out the Taliban? Are we doing both? Why are our hands tied behind our backs? Only to exit to find ourselves handing over, over 80, what is it, 80 billion dollars in military equipment to the Taliban, to the Taliban making them the most powerful, literally armed terrorist organization on the planet, and then just allowing the Talibs along with the Haqqani Network and the others, to control Kabul as people were fleeing. And our, our Marines, 13 Marines dead. More than 150 people, U.S. citizens at the front gates, Abbey Gates, dead. You know, from that explosion. And they allowed the enemy to take control. Allowed the enemy to take control. And now, and now getting back to Russia, Ukraine, we saw what happened last week and it's pretty, pretty freaking scary, guys. Pretty freaking scary. We're hearing from the EU now, the head of the EU is saying, and that's Joseph Borrell. He's the EU foreign policy chief. He warned Moscow last week that its forces would be annihilated by the West's military response if President Vladimir Putin uses nuclear weapons against Ukraine. That's what I mean. We cannot get away from this, even if we wanted to. I understand how you all feel. I don't want to be a war hawk. I am the wife of a veteran who served. I, every day we live with the war. Every single day. Every single day that my husband can't find his way around you know, a store or can't drive a car or, you know, has to get on the phone with one of his friends. And we're going to be talking about this because veterans issues are so important, you know, because maybe one of his friends is depressed or maybe something's going on and, you know, they're living with that war every single day. I don't want to see us back in a war. I don't want that. 
I don't want that. And by the way, at the end of this podcast, there's just great clip. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it in here. But uh, it was last week when people were shouting down AOC. I got to lighten up the mood a little bit here. But, you know, they, because, you know, they were like, hey, AOC, you don't stand for anything that we thought we voted <laughs> for you for. You're actually a hawk. You're actually a hawk. And Tulsi Gabbard, how about that? She dumped the Democratic Party. She's done. She's like, I'm a Republican now. I'm done with the Democrats. Worst administration ever. And now we are on the verge of a possible nuclear attack by the Russians in Ukraine and a response from the rest on that. And it would be a similar response. So it's nuclear war. And I don't think we've ever been this close to it since John F. Kennedy, the standoff in Cuba, right with the Russians. But we understand how grave this situation is. And we all have to be concerned about this. God, you know, November can't come fast enough. 2024 cannot come fast enough. It is astonishing what a horrible leader and a horrible administration can do in a matter of a couple of years. They have literally taken our nation from prosperity to recession, from strong allegiances and alliances to the verge of a nuclear war. Anybody out there who's listening to me who voted for President Biden If you're not standing back right now and saying, you know, calling out that bullshit, then you are responsible too. He is the worst president. This is the worst administration. And I was kind of stunned because I I was traveling, you know, all last week. And there's always some people who are like, you know, they still have like Trump derangement syndrome. But they don't give up like there's it's a small it's a small little portion of them, small little portion. I saw that at Fetterman rallies, real extreme. You know, this guy is like a, you know, totally a wacky, just all the way like a Marxist, you know, with money in his pocket, though, from his parents. It's Marxists are always like that, by the way. They always like to fill their pockets with like their parents, like trust funds, you know, their trust fund babies. And then they want to act like they're wearing hoodies and ripped up jeans and, and pretending to be like, Hey, I'm part of the, I'm part of you. I'm part of the gang. No, you're not. Shut up. Move out of the way. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a charlatan. Don't be ashamed. I don't mind him trying to help people, but come on. You're a charlatan. You should see the policies that that Fetterman wants to instill there. But the reason I I bring him up is because you'll see people that are like, well, at least there's no mean tweets. What? We're like on the verge of nuclear war and you're worried that President Trump would have sent out a mean tweet or you didn't like what he said one or two times or you didn't like his personality. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with the Lincoln Project? Like, those people are out of their minds. They're just nuts. They're nuts. They are so obsessed. And I I don't even obsess with Biden that way. Like, I'm not even obsessed. I wanted the best for our country. I really did. Nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to be in this position. 
But there are there was like something that happened. This obsession with President Trump, no matter what he did, no matter how well he did, it was like they just hated him. And they still do. And they still do. We talked about that, remember, on the podcast last week with Tiffany Smiley. But look at how, I mean, now Washington State could easily go to Tiffany. And she's amazing. If you didn't listen to that podcast, you got to listen to it. And you got to see what's happening right now in Pennsylvania. I mean, Oz and Fetterman are tied. So we are right now really on the edge. It's up to every single one of us, right? And before I get to Cole Lyle, I mean, it really is up to every single one of us to do our part, to do our part and to stand up, to get actively involved. I'm going to talk about this again, get actively involved in your community, find out what's going on and vote, 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 vote. Because what I said at the top of this monologue, this is the worst administration in the history of the United States. And we are all about peaceful transitions peaceful transitions of power. And the most important thing you can do for our veterans who lost their lives over there or sacrificed so much or were wounded or came back, you know, with wounds that they will, that they will never heal is to do your duty as an American and vote, get out there and vote, no matter what you think, get out there and do it. Before I get to, uh, to Cole Lyle, I want to talk to you about another great uh, company, one that sponsors the show, one that I care about very deeply, Great Patriot, Mike Lindell, and it's my pillow. And right now, Mike Lindell has a sale of the year on my pillow per cow bed sheets. My pillow per cow bed sheets, queen size, regular price, $89.98, now only $39.98 with the promo code CARTER. You got to use the promo code Carter. And remember, these are the most awesome bed sheets. They are breathable. They're cool and crisp. They're durable. They're built to last. I have them in my house. I have them with my children. I send them as gifts to my kids all the time in college, to my family members. I think all of the products that Mike Lindell has, these are American-made products and they are amazing. 250 thread count, count. they're imported, they're queen size, uh, king, they're available in a variety of styles and colors. Go to MyPillow.com backslash Carter or call 1-800-685-7221 for deep discounts on the MyPillow per cow bed sheets. Queen size regular, $89.98 on sale now for $39.98. While there, take advantage of the buy one, get one free on all my pillows, towels, and so much more. Visit mypillow.com backslash Carter or call 1 800 685 7221. Call today for the sale of the year on my pillow per cal bed sheets. Mypillow.com backslash Carter or call 1 800 685 7221. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes, y tienes 19 años o más, 52. 36. 42. Puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente. Una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. 
el efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en Español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. Voy a ponerme la vacuna Prevnar20 porque estoy en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. La cual pudiera llevarme al hospital, así que preguntaré sobre Prevnar20. 65 años o más, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar20. Vacuna conjugada antineumocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar20. I've got Cole Lyle with me here on right now on the Sarah Carter Show. And I want you to know he serves as the executive director of Mission Roll Call. He previously worked as an advisor to senior leadership at Veterans Affairs. Thank you so much, Cole. And, um, and on veteran policy in the United States Senate. Cole was honorably discharged as a non-commissioned officer in the Marine Corps after serving six years, including a deployment to Afghanistan. Thank you for your service, Cole. Thank you for having me on, Sarah. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. And I think this is such an important topic and one that is frequently um, uh, in the conversation my husband and I have here at home. Uh, as you know, probably my husband is a uh, veteran, uh, obviously served his nation for a very long time and was wounded in 2011 in Afghanistan, a former Delta Force guy, and then went on to continue to serve his nation, um, lost his eyesight in 2011. And We lost a lot of good friends. And even recently, right now, there was a story uh, that had come out in North Carolina, somebody who had served with my husband. It was a murder-suicide. And uh, it was a gentleman who had actually, nobody even suspected, was suffering through very severe depression, obviously, and God only knows what else. And everyone thought he was like the most stable guy around, you know, and they had served with him before. And he ended up tragically, tragically, not only killing himself, but killing his wife. And it was horrific. So this is something that I think we need to pay attention to. We need to understand what is going on with our veterans. 20 years of war is a long time. And I want to ask you about Mission Roll Call and kind of fill in our listeners as to what you're about. Yeah, Sarah. Well, again, thank you for having me on. Mission Roll Call is a, a national program and our number one priority is, is veteran suicide uh, prevention We are kind of unique in the way that we try to accomplish uh, a reduction in the veteran suicide epidemic in that we like we try to give veterans uh, on that that opt into our text and email polls a direct voice in policy under consideration by either Congress, the White House, the VA uh, that will affect them, hoping to increase their quality of life and reduce the suicide epidemic, because unfortunately, I think. One of the ways we look at this incorrectly is strictly through the lens of mental health. We, we've heard a lot about post-traumatic stress and depression over the last uh, 20 years because it's the quote-unquote signature wound of the war mm -hmm. and uh, of the global war on terror. 
um, primarily because the nature of those conflicts, IEDs and, and people surviving wounds that they otherwise wouldn't have survived before and, uh, you know, a, an enemy that used the human population as, as shields and, and to operate from kind of the shadows, so to speak. So um, there's been a lot of attention paid to that. But the reality is, um, according to official statistics, only 11 to 20 percent of Iraq and Afghanistan or, or global war on terror veterans have been diagnosed with a mental health condition like post-traumatic stress or depression. So it doesn't really reconcile the right. uh, massive amount of suicides that we've seen. And I think that's because at the moment of decision, it could be relationship stress. It could be acute financial stress. Um, usually it's a conglomeration of a lot of those things. And so trying to catch veterans, former service members more upstream before they get to that point, the VA likes to say, hey, if you're having these issues, call the veteran crisis line. Or if um, if you're having these issues and it's not like a crisis, use the VA, go to a mental health provider, go to a vet center, talk to a counselor. Um, but that, that's a very reactionary approach. And until we change right. the way we look at this, we're not going to make any headway. We're not going to make any progress. Data and common sense will tell you that. I absolutely agree with you. And I also think that you're, you know, you're right. When it's reactionary, it's almost always too late, right? The reaction is usually the family saying, I can't believe this happened. Or the neighbors saying, I can't believe this happened. He seemed like, you know, he was fine. She seemed like she was fine. And of course they're not, you know, I mean, depression is a very internalized process and PTSD is as well. It's something that I think, you know, like you said, you have to be at actually advocating moving forward. You you can't be reactionary to that. You have to take and move and have action when you move forward with it, when you're dealing, especially when you're dealing with suicide. I'm looking at some stories right now um, on ABC. It talks about right now, and I, I want you to address this, uh, that veteran suicide rate is its lowest in years. I mean, that totally is contradicting what they well, had said earlier and what the media had released earlier. What, what do you say to that? Are they not including all of the statistics, all of the data? Well, so according to those are VA's official statistics, right? And the VA right. collects its data from the CDC, which in turn gets its data from the states. Every state has a different uh, method uh, to collect that data from local coroners. Um, a lot of veterans, there, there was a study done Operation Deep Dive by America's Warrior Partnership uh, done that suggested that the the states actually undercount veteran suicide at a rate of about 25 percent because a lot of coroners and and local officials don't have a tool from the DOD or the VA to quickly verify uh, the status of a former service member. Um, Some people that don't get counted are National Guard and Reserves, which played a huge part in the global war on terror over the last 20 years, but are not legally uh, classified as a quote unquote veteran because they didn't have maybe 180 total days. They could have been in the Air Force, done a three month deployment to Iraq or, or Afghanistan or Syria or wherever, but they didn't have 180 days of active duty time post training. So they're not technically classified as a veteran. Does that mean that they don't have similar issues? Uh, Of course not. They could have all the same issues. But so there are a number of different statistical reasons why, um, you know, I believe that we're undercounting um, veteran suicide, but there's an entire other category that doesn't get discussed when we're talking about veteran suicide. And that's something called self-injury mortality. 
Mm-hmm. Um, self-injury mortality is either accidental um, or uh, there's another word I'm blanking on it right now, but basically accidental deaths as a result of things like overdoses. Um, and Correct. you know, we've had a huge right. problem with overdose as, as a country um, over the last few years, particularly during COVID. Um, it seems insane to me because of uh, we can't necessarily uh, judge intent on whether or not they actually meant uh, to kill themselves or whether or not it was an accidental overdose. So a lot of states don't notate that in suicide data. Maybe they don't notate them as a veteran because of, uh, you know, their National Guard or Reserve. There's all sorts of things that go into that. Operation Deep Dive suggested that self-injury mortality and uh, veteran suicide could collectively account for about 44 veterans a day, um, uh, 44 former service members a day taking their lives. Um, that doesn't so, surprise me. That doesn't yeah. surprise me, Cole. I mean, we we saw it um, even in our own personal lives. You know, I mean, just like you, I'm sure you have friends. So, you know, a lot of our friends are in the military or people who serve their country um, and they suffered, you know, extreme injuries. Some of them became very uh, addicted to opioids in order to address those injuries. But then be- they became reliant on it and as a way of addressing their depression. And, uh, you know, and then it, it, it obviously spirals out of control. And eventually, I, I do agree with you. I think it is a tool that is like a slow suicide tool, right? Or, or for example, it's the addiction and eventually leads to that. And I was trying to think of a word too earlier when I was talking to you about being reactive. And the word that I was looking for was actually proactive. Simple word. I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. get it out of my mind at the time. But being proactive when you see these things. And you, your uh, work with the University of Alabama, and I want people to understand this. It's, this is not just a guess. You're not just throwing guesses out there. This is a study that you worked on with universities. It's Operation Deep Dive to really look at the various issues that are affecting our troops and our wounded veterans and our veterans in general. Um, and so I want you to explain that because I think it was a really phenomenal study. How you how you approach this is really incredible. Yeah. So to be clear, it wasn't me specifically. It was uh, at America's Warrior Partnership. This was another right. initiative that they had done. But yeah, you're right. It was a peer reviewed study um, with uh, 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 the University of Alabama and then later Duke University um, using the Department of Defense's own data to verify a former service member's uh, status that was conducted in the study. It was like a five year study uh, with eight different states. Um, using the DOD's own data about former service members. So it was, it was peer reviewed. Uh, it was very well executed. Um, and, and frankly, it's not, the, the point of the study was not to come out and say the VA is lying to us. And, and, you know, there's only, there's way right. more than 17 veterans a day, uh, taking their lives. The point is we, we need to have an honest conversation about how we're accounting for these things, because we're not going to make progress until we have, a realistic idea of the scope and the scale of the problem. And it will help inform prevention strategies, upstream prevention strategies. The more states are included, the more the Veterans Benefits Administration shares data on how many of these former service members are using VBA benefits, either disability compensation or GI Bill or whatever the case may be. Um, so it's just a it's just a the first step in asking the right questions so that we can move forward and do better together because everybody wants to do better. Nobody wants this problem to get worse or to the status quo to, to remain as it is. 
Um, so yeah, it was great. It was a great first step. Well, we're really seeing some real devastating numbers. I mean, as far as even recruitment into the military um, and, you know, that just this year, you know, recruitment in the National Guard. I mean, there's less people being recruited, according to the numbers right now, than there are those leaving. And that's that's pretty daunting. Um, what do you think that comes from? Where I mean, they, they've talked about a lot of different issues, I see, but you're a veteran, you know, um, you served our nation um, maybe from your own perspective or what you're hearing from your friends, where do you think this is coming from? Yeah, I, I don't think there's one thing we can point to and say this is the reason why uh, the Department of Defense, the individual services are not meeting their recruiting goals. Certainly, I've said previously that, uh, you know, their uh, inability to effectively tackle the suicide problem on active duty and in the veteran community can play into this because if uh, you know, mothers and fathers don't believe that their sons and daughters are going to be given the tools they need to complete the mission successfully um, with minimal harm to themselves while they're on active duty. And then when they transition out, uh, if that transition will be successful and they're empowered to be um, great individual citizens when they're when they're uh, not no longer serving on active duty. If mothers and fathers don't believe that, then they're going to stop supporting their sons and daughters serving. Right. We recently did a poll, uh, a, a national whole representative of the American population where we actually asked, we said, um, based on generations, you know, do you know a veteran? Do you know somebody serving on active duty? And not to pick on Gen Z, but, you know, the, the youngest generation among us, 67% of them did not know somebody on active duty wow. or a veteran themselves. And unsurprisingly, uh, that generation was also, they also had the lowest percentage that would be willing to refer somebody or support somebody joining the military. And when we broke down the sub data on that and we asked why would they not be willing to join the military or recommend military service to a friend or family member, 61% um, of them listed VA benefits, lack of uh, health care or questions about VA uh, benefits as a primary reason for them not making that decision. So. It, there's a you can draw a direct line from issues with uh, the VA to military recruitment um, and the individual services being able to you know get get the number of people they need to fill posts. The Army I mean, is paying out historically high enlistment bonuses right now. It's mm -hmm. like fifty thousand this year, and they still miss their recruiting goal by I think fifteen thousand this year. And the other services they hit theirs, but they had to dip into their delayed entry program. Um, for next year. So I, I don't lay it specifically at their feet. They're fighting, you know, um, and to be fair, the retention rate is very good amongst the services. So maybe there's less people getting out because of cost of living concerns mm -hmm. and inflation concerns. Um, but they just, they haven't been able to crack the code on getting in front of more young people and convincing them that it's a, a worthwhile cause. I think sometimes too, and I and I've seen this. I don't know if you're you you hear this. Even though I I think there's been a, a much better response from the public to our veterans in Afghanistan and Iraq certainly than those compared to Vietnam, right? Than right. than the the men and women that returned from Vietnam, the response from Afghanistan and Iraq's been so much better. But still, the military, even in our universities and in our high schools, and you know, it's. It's almost as if it's vilified in a way by a lot of by a lot of the very you know progressive uh, instructors or you know 
I would say to the left, right? Because I'm not going to say Democrat or Republican here. I would say, you know, more leftist because there are a lot of Democrats that serve right in our country and they're in our military. So I'm not going to say that at all. But what I'm going to say is like that, that vilification of the institution itself, I think is also an issue, right? Yeah. To be fair, though, I, you know, I think you see that on both sides. You're seeing it a lot um, on the right. right, talking about how the military is becoming woke. Um, You know, so there's there's a lot of people that are previously, you know, very supportive of the military and the veteran uh, community that um, on the right and on the left that um, it's becoming too politicized on both sides. And the 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 chief staff of the army and and service chiefs are, are doing you know, the best they can to try to to combat that narrative that they, um, you know, that they're that they're picking political sides. Um, it's hard when our politics nationally are so, uh, you know, in, it, it just negative and uh, is right. seemingly seeping into every institution that we have in this country. But Americans, you know, more than almost any other institution or demographic in the country support veterans, um, you know, mm-hmm. and the active duty military. Um, certainly higher than than other government institutions like Congress, who has an approval rating in like the single digits or teens. Um, and, and Americans believe in that same research study that we did. Um, Americans said that veterans, uh, you know, are contributors within within their communities. Uh, over 60 percent said that veterans are more inclined than the average citizen to serve and help others. Um, you know, 60 percent said veterans make good employees and possess relevant civilian job skills. Um, over 50% said that they believe that veterans serve in first responder roles at a higher rate than, than normal civilians, which is, of course, true. Um, so veterans are, I think one of the problems you have here is that most American citizens, um, because less than 1% serve on active duty uh, in any given year, and 80% of veterans have an immediate family member that served military service, you know, as well as I do, is becoming a family business. Right. Most Americans, the only thing they they get about military service is what they see in Hollywood and in TV shows um, and what they know from veterans and, and active duty folks that they know, which, as we previously discussed, is getting smaller and smaller amongst the younger generations. So trying to combat that narrative um, and then convince people that not all veterans are broken and dysfunctional and not all veterans are, you know, Delta Force, SEALs, whatever. Right. The majority of veterans are somewhere in the middle and just do their time, get out and try to become productive members and serve their communities um, and, and trying to, to, to give people that perspective and experience is just difficult if they don't have any touch point in the veteran community. Well, certainly we we have to be, just like you said, really looking at where's that gap, you know, where is that gap? And, and I agree with you on, you know, but even within the DOD, it becomes highly politicized at the very top. And you're right. Most of our veterans are in the middle and they're just trying to serve their time for their nation, do the duty. I remember, you know, being on the battlefield with the guys out there, you know, in Afghanistan and seeing such wonderful young men and women, you know, out there on the front lines. Some of them lost their lives. We were there. You know, I I remember seeing that myself going to Bagram Airfield to the hospital or flying with the PJs when they picked up the bodies or, you know, and, and thinking to myself, these are these are the men and women that truly truly have given everything for their nation, you know, and we should do everything we can to help them and to give back 
regardless. It, it shouldn't be politicized. It should be a national honor to do that for our veterans. Every single one of us should do that, you know? And, um, and I was going to ask you, I also believe that the families, and this is, you know, I have amazing friends, um, some who lost their husbands overseas in the battlefield. And, you know, the families also carry a lot of the weight and the children. And I wonder if there's studies out there or if there's a need to focus on veterans' families, you know, because I think sometimes the veteran, and my husband will say it all the time, it's like, people are always paying attention to me, but nobody pays attention, you know, to the rest of the family, you know, it's like, it's, it's a whole family issue, right? I mean, it's yeah. a, it's the entire family is at war usually. I mean, even if the wife and the children are at home and the veterans overseas, it's, it's really a family issue. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, the the burdens of military service because of the uh, the demographics, like the number of people that actually serve on active duty, um, and the number of of it's become a family business kind of a thing. The the burdens are being shouldered by a shrinking majority of American families, and and uh, that means repeat deployments. That means more time away because of training. That means you know, missed holidays and birthdays and, and school plays and all sorts of different things that um, are stresses on on family members, uh, mothers and, and, and fathers um, that are staying home when their spouse is deployed and having to take up, you know, all the home front duties, the finances, the, the mm-hmm. you know, the, the rearing of the children um, that is meant to be a shared duty amongst two, two parents. Um, right. So there are a lot of stressors that that come with that that are uh, falling on the shoulders of American families. Um, there are a lot. There has been because of that a lot of focus on uh, military families, particularly in the nonprofit community, in the special operations community. They have their own, um, you know, kind of tight knit nonprofits. But um, in the broader military community, it's kind of a patchwork deal of of there's there might be. A, uh, a spouse that is left behind on a deployment that kind of brings together all the other spouses in a support group, but it's not like an official kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I, I do believe that we have increased our level of support and awareness for the families. I think um, it, certainly if we get into another conflict anytime soon, there will need to be even more emphasis on that, given that it, it seems like it, this problem of, of recruiting is only going to get worse. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that that should continue to be um, a huge focus of not only the DOD, but nonprofits. Absolutely. Absolutely. And anything, you know, before I let you go, because, and I want to bring you back on the show, I think this is such an important topic. I have so many people that listen to this podcast that are, that are part of our military family and extended military family. And I think that there's, you're right. There needs to be more focus on the veterans, on their families, their spouses, their children. And, uh, but for those families out there that are going through a really difficult time right now, that are concerned about their veteran loved one or a family member, what sure. can they do? Where can they go? What, what do you think would be the proactive measure? Now that I remember the word, the proactive measure that they can take to help their veteran that is struggling. Yeah. I, I think the most important thing, um, Operation Deep Dive did point out that if a veteran or former service member is is living with somebody, um, their chances of, of accidental overdose or suicide are uh, significantly decreased. And I think it's an intuitive thing that 
personal, meaningful connections. That's why, you know, when I've been on the phone with um, friends of mine who were kind of at that point that I had to talk down, the, the takeaway amongst all those calls that I've been on is they have lost hope and they feel alone. Um, so you try to instill in them that, you know, you care about them, that you're there for them, regardless of what's going on, um, that, you know, we can, we can work through whatever problem they're, they're dealing with together. Now I'm not a licensed psychologist or therapist or social worker or anything like that. And I, and and I surmise most of the, the families and the spouses are not either, but being that front line of defense and you have a good baseline of, of how their behavior normally is. And frankly, there are always warning signs. They may be very subtle, but um, there are always warning signs when somebody starts to spiral down that path that you can pick right. up on. And if you see something like that, you can be that first line of defense, ask the tough questions. Um, and, and if you feel there is a need for higher echelon care, um, you know, ask them if they've ever considered doing it. Don't be pushy. But um, if it gets to the point where they really need it and they're not wanting to get that care themselves, then that's the time that you could probably reach out to somebody else and say, hey, I think you need to step in here like a professional. Um, right. Some but, intervention, some intervention, right. some kind of, yeah, you know, because a lot of times it's, it's it really is every single one of us, right? Even if, even if you're dealing with someone who's not a veteran, but somebody who's suffering through the same type of issues, I mean, it really is about paying attention to what's going on around you. And if you feel something in your gut, you're usually right. So just like you said, Cole, be that first line of defense, be that first line of defense, say, you know, I'm here for you. What do you need? You're right. We're not therapists, but we are friends and family and we are coworkers and, we can find yeah, our way and, to do our part. And the reality is, if you have a relationship with this person, you're probably not going to just find them when they get to the crisis point. You're going to find them when, you know, maybe the VA denied them a claim for something or when right. they lost a job or when they broke up with a girlfriend or they're getting divorced or something like that. The the typical human life things that happen that is really where it usually starts. And you you can be there for them during those moments and help them out. And that's the most important thing. Well, where can we go to support uh, your group, Mission Roll Call? What can we do to, you know, to ensure that we are part of the process of making life better for our veterans and, and for our nation for that matter? Yeah, appreciate the question. Missionrollcall.org is the best way uh, to go. You can sign up for our text and email polls. You don't have to be a veteran. You can identify as a veteran. And we have certain questions that we ask just that community. But um, if you're a veteran supporter, you can sign up for our newsletter, text and email polls um, that have to do with veteran policy. Um, You can engage with us on social media. We put out content. We're on every social media channel except for TikTok because I refuse to give my data to China. Um, Me too. (laughs) Like all, all this you know, uh, you can engage with us that way. If you want to donate, um, you know, keep up the fight. Uh, you, you can do that. But uh, yeah, that's the best way. Mission Roll Call org. Hey, everybody, you heard that mission org. Cole, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm going to bring you back if you want. I would love to continue yep. this conversation. I think it's important. And, uh, you know, we'll focus on veterans, focus on their families and focus on our nation's future. Because without a strong fighting force, our country is going to be in big trouble. So we need to pay attention to our veterans and we need to give options for our young men and women so that they feel good and confident about uh, going into the armed forces. It's such a such a great honor for me to be married to a veteran. And, um, 
you know, God bless all of the people who serve, including you. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate the time. Si tienes ciertas afecciones crónicas como enfermedad cardíaca, asma, diabetes, y tienes 19 años o más, 52, 36, 42, puedes estar en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico acerca de vacunarte con Prevnar 20, vacuna conjugada antinomocósica 20 valente, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones contra 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. El efecto secundario más reportado fue dolor en el área de la inyección. Para más efectos secundarios comunes e información completa de prescripción, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar 20 en español.com. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Before I get to the most enraging border patrol story known to man right now, which is Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who knew, who knew nobody was whipped, but went along with the lie to cover up for our nincompoop president who's sitting in the White House. Before I get there, I want to go to another nincompoop, and that is AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Ortez. But it was a, such an awesome moment at this like town hall meeting, which, by the way, was almost empty. It was like like there were like maybe 20 people in the audience to go see AOC. It was hilarious. And her former supporters were just heckling her. I mean, just so angry at her for being a war hawk, um, supporting the Biden administration. And they were like, there was this one guy demanding, like demanding that she actually leave the Democratic Party like Tulsi Gabbard and become a Republican. How awesome is that? Listen to this. Tulsi Gabbard has shown guts where you've shown cowardice. I believed in you and you became the very thing you sought to fight against. That's what you've become. You are the establishment and you are the reason why everybody will end up in a nuclear war unless you choose to stand up right now and denounce the Democratic Party. Will you do that? Wasn't that great? That was great, right? I mean, it was just like such a refreshing feeling. It was like, whoa. I know. I, I know I shouldn't be an opera singer, but I did have that moment. I had that moment where we're like, finally, finally, you know, some people are waking up and actually seeing the true colors, you know, the lies of AOC. And they, they just called her a liar. 
Yeah. Ilhan Omar, AOC, all the, you know, the squad, the mod squad, they're all a bunch of liars. They are. And they don't even know what they're talking about. They're just like placeholders there for like wild Democrat ideas and Marxist ideas, which I hope, I hope are disappearing and I hope will disappear come November. But I want to get, before I let you go, I really want to get to this story. It's about Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. You know, I've talked about it on the show. I actually talked about it um, when the story broke. I was down at the border when the Haitians crossed. And I covered that story, 17,000 Haitians under the bridge um, in Eagle Pass. It was a huge story. Uh, it was it was devastating to see what's happened to our border. I mean, we just have this wide open, it's still wide open, of course. But during that time, during that time, that encampment, it was, it was just horrifying. You had children, you had just taking baths and buckets outside. It didn't even, it looked like a war zone. It just looked like a war zone. And then there was that one photograph, remember this incredible photograph where there was the long rain, the, we had our border patrol agent on the horse, you know, they were asked to go to the Rio and they were asked to keep people back from crossing because there were so many Haitians crossing so many. And by the way, that's another story, how they all got together and decided to come to the United States, even though they were in all different parts of South America, Central America and Haiti. But there were people that had been living in Central America and South America for years before they decided to come to the United States. We'll talk about that one later. But on this one, remember, the president came out and people will pay and they're going to pay because that one picture, they're using the long reins and the horse. I mean, it was a it was an amazing shot, probably one of the most incredible pictures I've ever seen. And you have this, you know, Haitian migrant, you know, and he's, he's got a grimacing look on his face and the horse is turning and, you know, the water is splashing and there's people running. And I guess if you, if you wanted to imagine that that's what they were doing, whipping, uh, maybe you could, but there was no whip. There was nothing showing that the the rider had even touched the migrant with the whip, nothing like that at all. Even the photographer who took the photo said that was absolutely false, that nobody was whipped. This is the thing that pisses me off. Mayorkas was told last year, he, he knew it. I told you guys this from agents that I spoke with, that there was no evidence Border Patrol agents had whipped or strapped Haitian migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border hours before he bolstered Biden's lies. And that's in the story in the New York Post. Think about that. He just, he's such a shill. He should absolutely be removed as, as the Department of Homeland Security Secretary. He is a shill for this administration, a liar that is putting his agents' lives at risk, our nation at risk, Everyone's at risk because of the lies. He should be standing up for the Border Patrol agents. He should have done that. He should have gone to the White House and said, this is absolutely not true. I will not do that. I will not speak out against my agents. I will stand by their side on this one. They deserve that much. Instead, he put them through hell. He put them through hell. He, he made them seem like they were racist thugs out on the Rio Grande when, by the way, the very first line of defense for many of the migrants, the very first people that come to their assistant and aid and come to our defense are the Border Patrol agents 
on the front lines. I am absolutely disgusted with what this administration has done with Alejandro Mayorkas, and I cannot believe, I cannot believe how dishonest and disgusting, disgusting Mayorkas is. And I'm I'm so grateful I have Texas Congressman Chip Roy here. He represents my district and he's fighting back and he's fighting back. And he wants to impeach Mayorkas. He wants Mayorkas impeached. Yes, please impeach him and then impeach the president, right? Because let's get real. We have seen the Democrats unify on lies and disinformation continuously. And I talked about that in the last podcast where I, where I interviewed Tiffany Smiley. Complete lies. FBI knew it was a lie. Everybody knew it was a lie. They went after President Trump. They tried to destroy him. But remember, they are literally destroying the American people. That's what they want. They want you and I and everybody who challenges the bureaucracy to be afraid of them to the point where they put 87,000 new IRS agents and we have FBI agents all over the place doing shit they should not be doing, crossing all kinds of constitutional lines. And we have a DOJ that, in my opinion, is complicit because they do nothing to hold them accountable. So we've got to vote. We've got to get someone in office, in office, that is actually going to clean house, clean house. I have been told that if President Trump decides to run, if he chooses to run, which I believe he will, I believe he will, the first order of business, the very first order of business is to clean out the bureaucracy and they know how to do it now. They know what to do. They've been through it already. They've been through it more than any other administration ever has in the history of our nation. I'm telling you. And they will clean it out. And if it's not President Trump, it'll be somebody else. It'll be Ron DeSantis. It'll be Glenn Youngkin. Whoever. Whoever is running is going to be better than what is in the White House right now. Right now. And if you care about this country, (laughs) my God. If you care about the future of your children, your grandchildren, your future, whatever. You'll get out there. And you will vote. Thank you so much for being a part of the Sarah Carter show. I'm always grateful that you're here with me. I love to read your reviews. Um, I love to see, uh, you know, your emails and, and I do read them. I do make a conscious effort to do that, even if it's late at night and I'm coming back off the set. I want to hear what you have to say. I also want to hear what you want us to talk about. What's important to you? Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter too, on Instagram. Let me know what's important to you and I will look into it. I promise you that. And I'll bring those people on the show that are, that you you want to hear from, okay? As well. And I think pretty much we're both thinking the same thing many times. So remember to follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC and on Instagram at S Carter DC and on Truth at Sarah Carter Official and on Truth at Sarah Carter Official. God bless you. God bless our great nation and God bless our veterans and the great state of Texas. The 
This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. In some cases, this means getting the government out. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it means asserting the government more where it needs to be asserted and and where its proper role has been, uh, you know, sort of pushed to the back burner uh, by, in many cases, Republican judges, Republican appointees, Republican policies and legislation. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.